This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with... Megan Varsilia. And Christopher Gonzalez. Coming to you from the road on the way to Stoney's Rock and Rodeo with our first episode in I don't even know how long anymore. <laughs> I think we were in the middle of a Heart of Texas review or something along those lines like a year ago but at this point it may have been two I really don't know true story and with that what being a month away from us this year yeah yeah that's, put, that is coming right up put some things into perspective yeah so uh, this is us just kind of semi topicless filling you in on whatever it is that comes to mind while we try to stay awake on the long long road to Sacramento from Sonoma County Good Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's, wow, I feel like it might be a little bit rusty with this whole, like, topic and thought and multitasking while driving being recorded thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, like you said, it's been a minute or two since uh, we've been on the mic. Mm-hmm. I know... A lot has happened over the last few years. Um, I know that we've had some events come back and we've had some new events show up. Um, Boogie just ended forever. Yeah, we had a couple events end or will shortly be soon to be final. It's, it's been a interesting time, I think, to be a part of the line dance community in the world. Yeah. Like you said, Boogie just ended quite literally last weekend for us. Um, showdown's up and coming to be the last one. Glad we were able to get to that before it was over. However, just, you know, a month ago, Rachel uh, McEnany-White brought over World Dance Masters and held the first one in Florida for uh, Sunshine and Line. That was definitely an experience, so uh, I guess some uh, parting events leave room for the new ones to grow and develop. Yep. Now, let's see. So since Heart of Texas, did they... They did marathon last year, didn't they? Or did was it a year they skipped? I thought that we did marathon. I, no, we did. That was Wom Bom Bom. Yes. That was when Wom Bom Bom appeared okay. on our radar... For essentially the first time, really. If we had seen it at a previous event, I don't think I ever wrote it down. Uh, but JP put that on to see if anyone remembered it. They kind of got it by the end, and then they um, they asked to play it again so that they could like do it, do it, because they were so close. Um, and then after that event would have been Fun in the Sun in Pikes Peak in, J- in July. Uh, there was nothing in August that I remember. They skipped experience this year, yes. so there was nothing in September. October, they skipped Windy City. Um, Motor City still went ahead, I think, but we weren't there. Vegas, we definitely did, and it came back to November. Uh, December. Yes, Vegas. Vegas, what was it? Like two days before Vegas was supposed to happen, the travel ban got lifted. Yeah. It's like just in the nick of time. Yeah, we got some more internationals back for that, international instructors. That, that was nice to see some people that we haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And after that was um, Florida Line Dance Classic in December. 
uh, which was, oh yeah, huh, my, my three events in Orlando back to back. We had December's Florida Line Dance Classic, and then January was UCWDC Worlds. Uh, also, uh, the West Coast Swing Event Floor Play was leading right into that. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, we had Florida Dance Masters in February, and all three of those were in Orlando. So I've seen a, a lot of Orlando hotels <laughs> in, in that time. Right, and they've you, been all at different different hotels at yep. that. Yes, and yet somehow I still ended up going to uh, the Marriott Orlando Marriott Airport Orlando Lakeside, something along those lines. Uh, for every one of those, because I just popped in uh, to the two events for Worlds and Florida Dance Masters. Even though they weren't hosted there, I still felt like, you know, I needed to take the shuttle over, get a photo of the empty hallway, and then go to the actual event that I was signed up to go to. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have I have a fond spot in my, my heart for that uh, hotel with all the times we've gone to Fun in the Sun and Florida Land Dance Classic there. Uh, you competed on a team. What was that about? Well, that was <laughs> about being a part of an amazing group of friends and dancers and basically at this point, family. Mm-hmm. Um, so several months back, I was talking with Miss Maddie B. Mm-hmm. And she is someone I met through my first solo line dance competition held at what used to be Fresno. With a Z. With a Z, yes. I believe it was 34 that I attended. It might have been 35. I could be, I'd have to look it up. Um, they are no longer an active uh, UCWDC event. Um, and that is where Maddie B and I met in like 2018, 2019. So it's been a few years and we've been friends since. And she, with several of our groups of friends that we have met through competition, put together what is called the Dancing Dragons, which is basically started out as just a group of people who love to line dance and compete. And it was just a group of friends and we got together at events and practiced at events and supported each other at events and all the things. Um, so that's how it started. And I was officially a member. I even got a spiffy name badge for it. You guys have all kinds of merch. We do now. <laughs> um, but I got a phone call from her a couple months back saying, hey, you're going to Sunshine and Lion, right? And I said, yes, I am. And she says, you know Half Past Tipsy, right? And I said, yes, I do. And she goes, okay, good, you're competing. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. It was more of a, wait, what? (laughs) And she's like, you already know the dance. You know you love to compete. You're on the team. You're already a member of the Dragons. You're doing it. I'm like, okay, sounds good to me. Lo and behold, not realizing that she's going to re-choreograph every other wall of the dance, um, which mad props to her in taking the time and, you know, forethought and choreography to actually choreograph every single person's part. 
and reposition us several different formations. And it was never, originally, <laughs> it was never one person was always in the same spot. Um, so we ended up all showing up to the event. We got together for the first time in-person practice on Thursday, Thursday morning, and we competed Friday night. <laughs> so we had about three practices on Thursday and two or three on Friday before competition, and it was an absolute hoot. I loved it. I cannot wait to share the floor with these ladies again, which... I am very grateful to say that you may actually see some dragons at upcoming events, hanging out, dancing, possibly putting on a performance. So uh, keep an eye out for where you might uh, spot a dragon or two, or seven. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was quite the experience. It's been several years since I've been on a competition floor, especially for dance. And it was an interesting experience. I had to say I was absolutely blown away once again about the competition and the skills in which my fellow competitors, both on my team and off my team, just exhibited at this particular competition. I am always amazed to see what the human body can do with movement to music and how certain people come to life with the right kind of song and movement and inspiration. So yeah, that's what that was about. Mm. <laughs> um, I believe at this point there is a good chunk of us headed to World Dance Masters at the end of July so that'll be fun my first uh, over the pond event and I'm competing mm-hmm no pressure <laughs> so yeah you were at that same event too though That's whole true. different experience for you yeah yeah so um, the staff included uh, some folks from Country Vive and what are they just I guess the people who perform at Masters? I feel like there was a separate name. There was the Country Vive group. There were the just normal instructors. I Oh, I want to say oh, it's like World Dance Masters showcase performers or something like that. Maybe that's it. Yeah, because they're not Masters in line. Yeah, it's it's um it's part of the country vibe is definitely part of a uh, country vibe is a part of them, but also right. if you're a certain level of competitor, you are able, I think, to perform in the showcase piece for the show's performance or whatever. Hmm. So my terminology could be 100% off in that, but that is the idea. At a certain level of competition, you can join the actual performance team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this uh, this event was interesting. If we, if we look at all three of the Orlando events, I believe in, at Classic, I was just instructing, not DJing, um, at UCWDC, um, 
what would that be? Worlds. Worlds. Yeah, I was going to say Masters. and That's not right. UCWDC Worlds, I was teaching and DJing after JP got COVID and I filled in for his slots. Um, and then at, at uh, Florida Dance Masters, I was teaching and DJing the Beginner Improver Room and performing. And, you know, usually they have staff perform, like, uh, a smaller production of some kind. You know, very often John John Robinson will put it together and it'll it'll be pretty straightforward choreography that you can learn like on the flight there and then they go over it a few times there as well. This was a different experience. I definitely felt the pressure on for this because we had those superstar dancers uh, just dripping energy out of their fingertips and when we were getting ready to um, perform or we were rehearsing to perform the final numbers piece Rachel gave us a sort of a pep talk sort of a step it up talk uh, about how this needs to be world dance masters quality because you could see how you know for some of us who are not as accustomed to like big showcase numbers we could kind of do the steps but we really needed to like knock it out of the park for this to feel like a master's sanctioned event. Um, so you could see all of us after getting that pep talk really like forming small groups, clustering like over di different sections like, oh, we need help with the nightclub bit in, in Come Alive. And then somebody else would be like, what do I do with my hands to this part? Are they, are they palms out facing the crowd? Are they palms out facing down? All those little subtleties and nuances that can get glossed over at most event performances really would have to be sharp and matching everybody else for one of these performances because we felt like we were representing not just Masters but also Rachel. And none of us ever, ever want to let Rachel down. <laughs> um, I think she was happy with how it turned out, um, you know, when all was said and done. Like, man, that was the most pressure I have felt uh, to, like, give it my 100% uh, effort uh, for one of these Saturday performances, even hiding in the back, as I was. Um, but yeah, like, that, that event, I felt really stretched me to uh, the, the edges of... Um, you know what where I am in dance now which is a good thing because what um, what I taught for my two sessions um, ended up being a very high energy duo of dances that I've choreographed begging like mad and strut through um, strut through my heart yeah strut through my heart um, and those showcase you know a lot of how I got into events and, and the bar scene and all that it's just lots of energy dripping sweat energy um, but then I also taught in my other session uh, a nightclub that I put a lot of feeling into that I had been listening to the song on loop for. Uh, it's called Northern Lights. I still have not released it as of the time that we were recording, uh, but I probably will within a month or so. And I wasn't sure how that would be received because people don't really know me for the slow stuff. So that, on the instruction side, that was um, a stretch of my range. Um, in the ballroom where I was DJing, I didn't really know what to expect and what people would be requesting, and I felt like I 
was able to cover pretty much everything as far as like the new stuff. I got a lot of the new exciting dances in for people at the beginning, but I also threw in a lot of classics, uh, which I had had recent exposure to from uh, Worlds, thanks to Jill putting on a lot of those and then me putting in some as well. Uh, so we got the whole range of what's possible in the beginner improver room, uh, which I felt was one of my stronger uh, sets or combination of sets as a DJ thus far. Um, and yeah, then with the performance, as I mentioned, like I, I, I feel like I could have been more prepared, but for where I was in preparation, I thought I, I, as they say, you know, leave it out, leave it all out on the floor. Don't, don't hold back anything. I, I don't feel like I really held much back. I really tried to do my best with that. Um, not being a performer, <laughs> uh, generally. So yeah, that that was that on its own was quite an event. And then I, of course I missed most of the main ballroom, but I heard that there was a lot of fun stuff. You were there. There was <laughs> there was a lot of memories. Some of it did make it on video and did get posted. <laughs> um, some of it did not, and we were all just kind of spontaneously enjoying the moment. Um, I do know that it was one of our dragons' first events ever and so she had no idea what to expect and I know at one point because Miss Maddie B was she was competition queen that weekend she was in teams she was in duos she was in solos she was in pro-am like girl could not get enough of the competition floor and it was amazing to watch her on every single aspect of it but like a good girl she went to bed shortly after one of our other dragons who will stay up kind of late-ish every once in a while she'll make a, a respectable two o'clock survivor photo I do have proof she's made it to one or two um, she followed as well and the third dragon sharing a room with them did not she chose to hang out with me and one of the other dragons and as most people who have ever met me know I have since my very first event which was Vegas Dance Explosion in 2017 never missed a survivor photo I, I just I have not missed a survivor photo I have one of the world's worst cases of FOMO which is fear of missing out when it comes to these events it's awful it's like paralyzing to the point where I cannot leave the ballroom so our girl brand new to the event joined the dark side pretty darn quickly and stayed up till closing with me and I laughed because I'm pretty sure she made it to a survivor photo before Maddie B did <laughs> so that was kind of fun to joke a little bit but I was like so what are you thinking how are you liking it she goes oh my god this is amazing I was like do you see why I stay up late night and she's like yes I get it completely watching these choreographers and best friends who have not seen each other in person in 
plus years was so much fun to watch. It was a giant reunion party in that sense of just watching them play with each other and, oh, remember this dance and I don't remember this dance. Let's see how this goes. And it was just amazing. The energy was electric almost the whole time and just purely enjoyable. And there was some of our UK individuals representing with the uh, handbag dance. And that is where some of the motion shenanigans took place on camera. So that was kind of fun to be a part of. Um, when I was able to get some of the, the dragons out there, I was like, hey guys, you totally know this dance. I promise. And so I drug them out there for and they're like, wait, this is it? I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this is the whole dance. <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. And then right before our eyes, oh, yes. If you can find some video on Facebook, I highly, highly recommend watching it. I'm not even going to remotely tell you what happened, though. But it was fun. Um, so, yeah, that was, it was memorable. I do have to say... As a dancer, not competitor, I had two of the most memorable experiences ever at that event, and I am so grateful for them. The first one, I totally had that moment of fangirl peak experience with one of my favorite dances ever, which was Man in the Mirror. I was able to dance it next to Simon, who I have been waiting years to dance this dance next to him. And before I knew it, all of a sudden, Rachel was joining the floor, and she was on the other side of me. And I basically, like I said, total fangirl. Went, wait, they're on, wait, wait, what, what? And then, of course, I had the problem of, but now I just want to watch them. Mm. But remember, you're still dancing? So there was that one. And the other was the closing number of the event. Mm. Oh my gosh. I don't know if poetry in motion will ever be the same for me after that experience. With the lights and everybody walking around the dance floor with their phone camera light on. And dimming the lights even further so it looked like twinkling stars. It was so emotional hashtag Rachel's crying again but it was magical and breathtaking and just there's still this energy that I can't explain how I'm feeling adequately enough of just I am in awe of that moment so yeah one of my takeaways from open dance that I'm still kind of grappling with a little bit is, well, it's been the sort of the open question of why do we learn dances? For what do we learn dances? Do we do these um, here at the studio so that we can do them there at the event? Uh, are we learning this so that we can dance them with somebody? Like you were saying with Man in the Mirror, do we... You know, do we learn this because it's significant and memorable for the choreographer and they want to dance it? Like, uh, when you love someone, we want to dance that with Gary because we know it means a lot to him. Right. Um, 
do we dance it or do we learn it because it's a classic we've seen it at events and we think that it, sh it should get played so we should be the one to request it to make sure it happens a lot of a lot of reasons go into why we would choose to learn one dance over another or just at all and there were, there were some that we learned going into this event thinking we would dance with people whomever yeah, yeah. If, if we thought, oh, this is one of their favorites, if we request it, they'll be happy to dance it because now they won't be alone or whatever. And these are people like on staff. These are you know, people that we we knew would be there in the ballroom to dance them if they wanted to. And on at least three occasions that I can think of, the dances that we requested with these other people in mind ended up being like us and a handful of other people that we didn't you know, expect would be dancing them. So that, of course, made us feel weird. Like, well, shoot, we kind of, we kind of did this for them, but now it looks like we're just doing this for. Uh, it makes us feel very self-conscious. Like we're taking away time from everyone else's right. happiness by there's us like doing four it. Four of us, five of us on the floor max. Exactly. This and giant main ballroom floor. So now going into upcoming events, you know, I've had to ask myself, what do I review now? Like, do I? Do I review stuff by people on staff in the hopes that maybe they'll either care to dance their own dance or remember their own dance? Because um, that is not always a given. For some reason, I find this very strange because I, I just operate so differently. A lot of these choreographers don't remember their dances. They've taken the time to set these steps meticulously to the music and then they you know, they, they sometimes will try for it they'll fight for it Rachel usually fights for it she'll try to get back whatever dance of hers she used to know and some people will just flat out say oh no no I don't remember that one and it's their own dance my favorite we were at a dance I don't know that one yeah but you choreographed it honey yeah, <laughs> yeah so now you know looking looking forward toward these upcoming events we have Northwest Line Dance Blast Heart of Texas uh, Palm Springs Line Dance Mania Marathon all of these are in the next three months uh, we we have classes to teach we have groups back home to prepare for events what do we tell them to learn what do they tell them right. they should learn they can't I mean if they have a request of course we're happy to say oh yeah absolutely I'll teach you that one that one looked interesting to you great but if they're just kind of open about whatever and say, I don't know, what do you think we should learn? That's a hard question to answer right now. I don't want to teach them just the newest thing on the charts because, again, that's another place where we've seen some of these dances that would have been floor fillers just get forgotten over COVID because people didn't review them, people didn't reteach them, people didn't request them. And now I can't, I can't rest on those as, oh, you've got to learn Hurts Like a Cha-Cha, that one won the competition at Windy City in whatever year. Now, like, how many people remember it? Cliche Love Song is sort of like an anomaly because John and Joe still tour, so they still dance it. And then every time it's danced at an event, people see it and think, oh, I should learn that. But if the internationals aren't around for Hurts Like a Cha-Cha, like, who's going to dance it and bump it forward? Pom-poms? That, that kind of disappeared. Um, you know, Cherry on Top is recent-ish, so you kind of see it-ish. But also Darren at one event uh, said that he didn't really remember it, and he's one of the choreographers. So it's hard now to, um, 
to really with confidence say you should learn this dance uh, and that's my professional opinion now I'm just kind of in a mode of well I'll dance it I like this dance and if nothing else we can enjoy learning it and dancing it today this very <laughs> moment and if we review it next week great if we forget to oh well but you know right now in this moment I want to dance this I hope you will too that's kind of where I've been I've been less right. preparing and less contingent upon other people for the dance experience to someday have its peak moment now it's like ah Today is the peak moment. We can't really guarantee anything past that. Yeah. What has guided your thoughts on like how you teach your Wednesday classes or the, the students at Sonoma State or uh, Thursdays, Hot Monk Twin Oaks? Yeah. Oh, and every, every single case and including learning something for myself is different. 100% different. So I'll take Hot Monk for 200, Alex. Um, Hot Monk Twin Oak. Generally speaking, I like to have some good, solid, fun-ish beginner dances in my back pocket for any given moment because generally speaking, we have people come in that have never been on a line dance floor before in their entire life. And so you gotta start them off with the basic idea of this is what a line dance even looks like. Um, and so having some of those and then having a fun, engaging, say high beginner improverish dance is always a good fallback plan as well because sometimes you get those people who are like, you know, I go dancing all the time and I just discovered your night. Well, you don't want to necessarily completely bore them with a walk forward three times and kick, walk back three times and touch and repeat and then vine right, vine left, vine right, vine left. End of dance. You know, like, <laughs> for someone who's experiencing, you know, their weekly bar and just here on spring break, or it's going to be like, what is this place and why did I waste the time? Versus that's going to be perfect for their best friend who they drug out that's like what do you have me doing you know so having the variety is always important I think when it comes to hot monk twin oaks we teach everything from country to non-country and then beginner up to we've taught you know going going gone and yeehaw and I mean what else a deja vu I mean like we've taught some interesting, you know, things at some of our events that you wouldn't necessarily see otherwise. Um, I've taught uh, uh, Lily, like I love you at an event, at one of our nights. So, you know, like sometimes you get that harder lesson and sometimes you get the one wall basic beginner dance to get people's feet wet. Both are equally as important in our Hot Monk Twin Oak Nights. Now, for club. Club is its own beast for sure. Um, I have the... Oh, my great-grandmother will roll over her grave when I say this. The throw the spaghetti at the wall and see what it sticks kind of mentality when it comes to club. 
I try and pick the fun, fill the bar floor kind of dances that I see happening, whether in my area or when I travel at the bar there or what's happening in SoCal, what's happening in Florida. Like, I keep an eye out on some things. For instance, uh, before, what was it? It was like October, November of last year. Uh, whenever Brandon Zahorsky released Give Me, Gives Me Shivers, I saw Louis St. George post that video and I jumped on teaching it the next night to my class because I was like, it's got stomping in the sense of the hopping and it's got the ability to make loud noises when you do that. It's got the butt shaky stuff for the out, out and hold and then the bumpings. And then it's got a little bit of a challenge in the idea that it's got the syncopation and the quarter turns. So it gets to challenge my new kids at club. And that's where that got fun. Just two weeks ago, I remembered once upon a time, one of my girls first line dance lessons I ever taught her was rhythm inside. The very second lesson was second time around. So like I have to remind myself that with enough enough slowed down repetitions you can learn just about anything. So I taught raised like that and right now the the Sonoma State Line Dance Club is really, really enjoying that dance. And I am so glad because I enjoy that dance. Um, So when I look at stuff for club, I generally look at what am I going to have fun teaching that they might have fun learning. And I have learned to not be quite so attached to my teaches because of club. Because sometimes you throw things out there and it doesn't stick. And so between Club and Hot Monk, I've kind of learned that I need to be excited about the teach itself. Not necessarily set on the idea of, oh, now I'm going to be able to dance it every week. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's, that's a big thing for why I look at teaching those nights. And then for my intermediate to advanced class on Wednesdays. It's hands down 100% selfish and I am not going to pretend otherwise. When it's not selfish is when I go, hey Chris, what are you doing tonight? You want to (laughs) teach? And And then I get to be selfish. And then you get to be selfish. (laughs) Exactly. And it's, they... That particular class is so excited to learn any of the dances we bring. I We have taught between you and me, what? Don't sweat it, speechless, wom bom bom, what's your name, cry to me, uh, beautiful goodbye. I recently did something I don't normally do, but I taught chasing shots. Um, The reason why I say I don't normally do is, one, it's the very first rolling I think I've ever actually taught, and two, I generally don't teach an absolute brand new unreleased dance when I taught it. It was unreleased. (laughs) So it's uh, a little bit of a different thing for me, Um, but I really liked how it looked, and I I 
wanted, I wanted to dance it. Um, I mean, we've, we've done what cowboy up we've done feel we've done now or never we've done I mean, so many different it's literally whatever our little hearts content of what we want to learn plus when we find out stuff like I'm trying to learn all of the insert choreographer name here dances from one of our students we're like oh girl we got you we got you. Let's pull out some ones that you've never even heard of by this choreographer. And we'll start you there. Because we like those ones. You can learn all the new ones on your own. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring it back a few years. Say, you know, 15. <laughs> um, and again, like I said, it's really one of those. I say it's selfish. But in reality, it really is for them. I just benefit as well. And I think that's what makes it enjoyable for this particular group is they're up for whatever you want to throw at them. They practice at home. So the next time you go, the following week, they know it a little bit better. And so when you review it, it's not quite as rough. And they show up to our hot muck nights and so they get to practice it there too. And then it also exposes everyone who shows up to Hot Monk to other things as well. And, you know, some of our, our club kids who come to Hot Monk have been like, Hey, I like that dance. Can I learn that dance too? Absolutely you can. Um, I have brought uh, one of my girls to the, night, the, hot monk, or the uh, Wednesday night class before and she had fun and you know it's it's a nice crossover it changes it up a little bit and then they meet new people and so on and so forth but that's generally what happens for the places I teach as for learning a dance it's I'm kind of in that interesting situation where I don't think I generally learn a dance for the choreographer's sake. There is the there is the rare few times I do. Absolutely where it's like I want to support this choreographer because they're up and coming or they have like we have this back and forth thing where you know they learn one of my dances I learn one of theirs they learn one of mine I learn one of theirs and it's kind of this fun back and forth thing that I don't know if they know that we're playing but we totally are (laughs) um as well as in general Because I've been in the situation where I was told by a specific individual, you need to learn this dance. And when I said, okay, that's next on my list. And they are like, cool, exciting. I'll I'll dance it with you the next time you learn it. And then they don't. I'm kind of like, why did I learn this dance for you? Why did you bother recommending it? I'm confused. (laughs) Um, That's, it's been an interesting situation as of late and I think like you it's kind of allowed me the opportunity to kind of reevaluate what it is that I'm looking for in a dance to keep 
because we've made we've made the claim many many a times before is that you know there's only so much room in our memory for dances so we're kind of at that point where we're starting to be much more selective about things and why we want to learn this over that versus you know this one over here and it's nothing against anyone or saying one's better than the other it literally for me is whatever I am vibing with in that moment um, I've seen dances that had to grow on me and had that like earworm effect where like you know the first listen I'm like okay yeah this this is a nice track it's okay oh yeah that was kind of a cute little number I like that maybe I'll learn that and then after two events I'm like why haven't I learned this yet this is ridiculous this looks so much fun I love this song and you know that'll be the opportunity that I take to get out there on the floor or take the lesson um that kind of stuff I definitely am a the song has to speak to me the dance has to speak to me or there has to be something special about something that I just didn't foresee coming and maybe it's the matter of who I get to share it with or maybe it's someone sold the dance for me or Maybe for some reason I'm asked if I know the dance and I say, yeah, sure, I know the dance. I mean, I've seen it. That counts, right? Oh, can you demo it with me? Sure. Let me go learn it real quick. You know, that happens too. (laughs) I don't know. What about you and all the places you teach? I mean, you have dollies, you have club, you have the occasional Wednesday night class where you come and hang out with me and mine. Mm-hmm. And you have Thursday nights too. Like, what is it, in addition to what you learn, what do you kind of look for? Well, I'll start with the learn because there are five experiences that I can point to of note uh, recently. One of the dances that you've mentioned before at some point that you like and that um, you have enjoyed dancing with others, I learned because somebody taught it online and I was watching her live stream while she taught it. And it was fun just kind of participating and, and seeing it all. She put a lot of like sass and attitude into it. I thought, okay, this is kind of fun. I, I didn't do it on my feet at that time. And eventually I did do it on my feet. I'm like, okay, this is all right. But even having heard the song for the first time, and even before her teach, I had heard the song before when it was posted from some event where it was taught. I didn't really connect with the song. It didn't express anything that I felt was inside of me that I needed to express. So it it didn't really do anything for me. And then when I did the steps, like, okay, these steps make sense, but they weren't like breaking so much new ground for me that I felt like, oh, I have to do this to like acclimate myself to this growth experience. And then what really killed it for me was a transition at the very end of the dance that feels weird, that's doable, but still makes me think just a little too hard and doesn't flow nicely enough for me to get over it. Hmm. (laughs) So I have had that experience of like learning the hot dance that's on the charts and whatever, um, but not keeping it. I had my one experience dancing it in Vegas. I had a nice big floor, nice um, 
amount of uh, space on high quality wood where you know you'd ideally want to do a dance like that that travels a bit and then I was done that was it I don't really need to do it again I can let that one go um, there was one that I now looking at a case where the music actually is okay um, there's one that I learned uh, sort of spontaneously um, at Boogie uh, and I just kind of got up while it was being reviewed and kind of went through the steps and like oh okay this actually doesn't look that difficult and I like the song I might as well you know since everyone else is dancing I'm just sitting here all by my lonesome here sticking out like a sore thumb I guess I'll get up and dance it and I danced it and the steps are okay and the song is okay but that's not enough to make me keep it and that's a big hit dance that a lot of people love right so again it, it even if both of those things are in place, it might not necessarily be enough to keep me. And then there's a song that I really like that's just super touching, and I've learned the dance three times and forgotten it three times, and again, it's just not natural enough. There's another weird three-quarter thing that happens that's clever, but just a little too clever for me to fall into it naturally. And too many similar things happen for me to remember which time I'm doing what. So I, I can't really enjoy the song as much because the steps are getting in the way. And it's, it's a very well-crafted dance, but like for that song, I really just want to listen to it. And I'm okay with that. And I like the choreographer too. So there's a combination of liking the song, the steps are enough that like I don't mind teaching it when somebody asks. I don't just say, oh no, I don't know this one. It's like, oh yeah, maybe we can go over that one. I think I remember teaching this three months ago. Uh, and I totally support the choreographer and everything that that choreographer does, but I still don't need that dance. Now, on the other hand, we've had two dances that I had sat out of for years <laughs> since they came out. Uh, I was very comfortable just letting everyone else enjoy them while I did not know them. And then I had to do those dances for a performance. And... I kind of learned them close to the time of the event, <laughs> close to the time of the performances, I should say. Uh, and I was super stressing out about them because I didn't have the confidence in them that I would for, like when I do open dance and I've been dancing something for two years, of course I'm gonna play, uh, I'm gonna put a lot of oomph into it, I can do it cleanly, I can do it messy, I can do all sorts of different things because I have so much practice put into it. Right. For these dances, I got my practice way too late. So by the time the performances came along, I could do them very cleanly and very vanilla, and that was about it. Now that I have, in hindsight, had the happy memories associated with doing the performances, not the rehearsals, but the performances, and listening to the songs, and thinking, yeah, like, that was one of those one of those experiences I can really be proud of. Now I want to do those dances more because <laughs> they bring me back there. They, they have those fond associations with them beyond just whatever the steps were. And the more I've listened to the songs, the more I enjoy them. Uh, I, I can appreciate them a little more and maybe it helps that not everybody's doing those dances anymore. We've seen both of these kind of fall off, as they say, because with time people forget them and they are advanced dances. They're complicated. Um, they can throw you off in various places. So with enough time, only the diehards will still want to do them. And 
thank goodness that there are some of those because at the next event, I'm going to want to do those. I might even request one of them, if not both. Um, yeah, I will definitely be sitting both of them out. And that's okay. You know, <laughs> we, we each have our individual tastes right. in that way. Uh, other people don't just, I can't just give that experience that I had exactly. to other people. Like you might have had a bonding experience with this or that person on your dance team or uh, on the staff of something well, that I will never be able to have. So I'll have to come to those dances in my own time. Exactly. The same way, like I, like you were saying in the very first example of me connecting to one that I love that I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. You're like, you know, I'm okay with just sitting that one out. It's okay. I can just enjoy it for what it is and for the people who enjoy it. And that's exactly how I feel about those ones. Like, I love watching the people who love those dances. They kill it. And I just get to sit back and enjoy that. Yeah, I think what had put me off of one of them was I thought it was more complicated than it was. And then it turns out it's only 32 counts plus a tag. And then, like, another fancy tag. And that's it. I could have done. I could have been doing this dance a long time ago, but I just assumed it was way too complicated and it would take way too much work. Now, having actually learned it, it's it's less work than I would have thought. But also, there are parts in the choreography that repeat themselves, and it's like, oh, this isn't that time that we do that. This is the other time that we do that. And you better stay alert, or you'll forget, and you'll go into the wrong part. So that is kind of. Eh. Something that you know I could have seen putting me off of it before if I had learned it when it wasn't the right time. Uh, now I want to do it despite those things because I like the song and right. I, I haven't danced it out of my system yet. Uh, with the other one, it opens up another reason why I don't learn some dances now, which is whereas before I didn't know if I could learn something, if it was something so complicated that I didn't even know if I could handle it, uh, I would want to learn it just as a personal challenge. But in the time since then, when we learned like Broken Heart and Cadillac Ride, and you know, back when it was more complicated for us, Fake ID, Four on the Floor, um, Long Dances, we learned Hairspray at one point. We have taken on enough big challenges to look at a dance and say, oh yeah, I could do that. All it takes is time. That one doesn't do anything different from what I've done before. It just does it in a different order. It's not like a body roll or something where I really need to like focus and finesse or glide. We're not we're not solid on glides by any means. No. So I like the opportunity of dancing Zoom because I get to practice my glides. Right. Uh, with the dance that you know was a performance piece, but just a ton of counts. I knew I could do it if I wanted to, but I didn't connect with the music at the time. I didn't connect with the movie that the music was from, uh, and it took me forever to even watch it. And I didn't have enough people, like friends or whatnot, to say, oh, you, you have to learn this so you can do it with me because I need a partner for this one part or something. Like, I didn't have anyone else egging me on to learn it. So it just kind of happened around me. And I knew that when, when I felt like it, I guess I could come around to it. Yeah. But it just never came around. And then when it finally did, it was at an interesting time when the message of the song spoke to a part of me, I guess, especially since, you know, it was a performance piece. It kind of tapped into my performer side and I thought, okay, the next time I do this, I'm going to feel, I'm going to think about what it feels like to be a performer, like they're singing about, and then really just blast it out from all of my extremities 
as it's intended to be danced. But I haven't had that experience since the event because it hasn't. There haven't been any events since then. So you know, I am looking forward to, first of all, learning Part D because I never did learn Part D. It wasn't part of the performance. <laughs> and, and then you know, actually dancing it full out. Yeah. And like I said, like I love watching people dance the particular ones you're talking about because of how much joy exudes out of them. It just, for me, it's, I'm still not at that connection spot, like I was saying, like you were kind of saying earlier, like, you had to come to it at your own time, and it's one of those that maybe if it all of a sudden has a a second coming, and I see it at every event again, I might be more inclined to but I'm still at that point where I'm like, it's okay, that's a lot of energy, that's a lot of steps, that's a lot of learning that I can put towards something that gives me the goosebumps right now or the butterfly of excitement right now. Because mm-hmm. um, that, that's been something we've talked about in the past as well is learning things and having a positive association with them versus learning things and having a negative association with them during the learning process like can really make or break your desire to continue with that particular dance and it has nothing to do with the dance itself it has everything to do with whatever surrounding thing is happening so you know it's the you know not necessarily learning a a really complicated dance when you've worked, you know, three 10-hour shifts in a row and all you want to do is close your eyes. Like, that's not going to get you anywhere. (laughs) Versus having the last three days off and now you're like, yeah, let's do this. And there's an excitement for it. Yeah, as far as teaching... I've really been uh, avoiding... When I think about like some of the things that I've taught on the Wednesday class, I've been avoiding downer music. Because there, there are some dances that we learned within the last couple months that have kind of downer messages. And I had resisted learning them because I just was not in that headspace. Uh, and I don't think I've gone out of my way really to teach dances to negative songs I think a lot of the ones I've taught have been kind of upbeat, like uh, Shake That by uh, Samantha Jade featuring Mr. Worldwide Pitbull. Uh, you know, that's, that's a very dancey song. Uh, Freak a Little More was a dancey song about dancing. Um, I don't even know what Madness is. It's weird, but it's not, it doesn't feel like a downer song. It, it explodes at the end. Faded is just a song about like, girl, you know, you and I should get together and smooch and stuff. Uh, and a lot of a lot of the dances that we've done by my choice, the ones that I've selected, have been ones that I want to dance or that I want to play with. And I guess I just want to play with those more right now than sad stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a place for like sad, poignant music and dances associated with them. Like I'll still dance. She used to be mine, but I don't know that I would have choreographed or listened to on loop a sad song to come up with steps for it. Uh, Even the nightclub that I did just recently is about um, 
love and stuff. Like, I just want to fall into your arms and be together. And maybe it's like a yearning song. Maybe it's like an I want song from a musical. But uh, I don't know that it's a negative song. Like, oh, you're so bad for me. You're so toxic. You're so, you're horrible as a person. And so I need to dance about it. Like, I don't really, I don't, I, I don't feel the need to uh, pass that baton of dance forward. Sometimes we, we look at these dances like someone else learned them and taught them to us. And now that we've learned them, we teach them to someone else. And so they continue like a relay race forward in time. And I have not felt like I need other people to know some of the downer stuff lately. But maybe that's just where I am right now in life. Um, on Tuesdays for club, it's been a weird semester. It's been a weird <laughs> year. We don't really have the people that we used to, like uh, Samantha Hugger and Natalie Degolia, some of our other very uh, spongy students who want to just learn everything, and they don't ask about the number of counts or you know whether it's done anywhere. Can I do this at such and such event or bar? They just want to have a good time and challenge themselves and dance and sweat. And this semester, I've kind of been leaving it more up to the people taking the lessons because they don't, they don't have as many... I guess if you look at their life like a pie chart, the slice for line dance is much slimmer than some of our previous students. So I don't want to waste their time teaching them something that I might like, but they'll never dance again after that night. I would prefer to teach them something that they can dance at Stoney's, Stoney's Oregon Radio, or 256 North in Petaluma, or you know maybe even at one of our own nights. Uh, but other than that, they don't really seem like they want to learn for learning's sake. So I really gear it toward what's going to be 100% relevant to them. Even if it's not my favorite dance, even if I've taught it a gajillion times, I would rather teach them something they want to learn than inflict something upon them, uh, inflict a dance upon them because I want to dance it or I think they should know it. It doesn't make me feel good to do that. And then it just wastes everyone's time. Uh, another place where I have a lot of freedom is in Dolly's uh, combination of classes where she has uh, an improver intermediate class followed by a beginner to improver class. And then the next day she has intermediate advanced. And then the next day is solid, like first timer introduction to line dance beginner. And I have recently opened up more, at least in the beginner department, to teaching dances that I know they're never gonna do anywhere else. I used to focus more on things that I thought they would do at events or that maybe they would do if they ever, at 80 years old, decided to go out to a country bar. But now I just think, you know what? This is a fun peppy song. Everybody knows the song Tequila. Here's a dance that is completely toe struts and side points. That's fine. <laughs> we don't need to break their brain today. As long as I'm having fun and I can express that, they'll probably have fun too because they're dancing something. And these are people who may not have ever considered themselves to be dancers. They may have grown up thinking, oh, that dancing, that's something other people do. My, my parents told me I couldn't dance, so I'm not even going to try for the first 60 to however many years of their life. Um, just doing anything on beat with music is a win for them. So I'm okay teaching the simplest dances that they'll never see out of that class. Um, for the other dances, for, uh, for the other dance selections, I, I do try to keep it somewhat relevant to events because a lot of the folks in the intermediate and advanced uh, and the improver classes, 
do like to dance somewhere else. They don't just dance at Dolly's. They might go to a social if there's a social being held somewhere. Something on like a Sunday afternoon. Something mellow, not a lot of loud music or bright lights. Just, you know, getting together casually and dancing. I, I, I focus on Rachel's stuff that's pretty solid. You know, her dances tend to make sense. They flow from one section to another, and I can chunk things really easily. I can say, like, sailor step, sailor step, sailor turn, and now we've just gone through a ton of counts. They feel a sense of accomplishment, and really, they only did one thing with a slight twist at the end. Uh, Sometimes I will sprinkle in something that they may or may not do somewhere, like talking to the moon, but which I am obsessed with and cannot do anywhere else. At the time that I taught Talking to the Moon, I thought there would be a possibility that I could dance it at East Coast events, like in Orlando, uh, because like Dustin knows it. If Joey's at an event, he may know it because it's his dance. Uh, But there weren't enough opportunities for me to play with it and really sink my teeth into it, and I love that song. So I selfishly taught it to the improver or the, uh, the intermediate class so that they could also enjoy it the way I have enjoyed it, and then I would get to dance it more often. And I, there are some of these dances that are just not appropriate for bars. I can't really justify putting those on in the middle of one of our nights because they've just gone through well, Watermelon Crawl and Cupid Shuffle and Gives Me Shivers, a bunch of upbeat stuff, and then I hear I kill the mood with a sad, forlorn, lost love song. It doesn't really work. But at a senior center class, perfect. That's right in their wheelhouse. The only difficulty with that is it has some turning in it that they might not prefer to do. Uh, One of the other selections that I felt really solid about was Whatever Happens uh, by Liz Bogan and Ron Klein because it's another one that you might see late night at an East Coast event, but we can't really do it on our nights. We can't do it at the bars. We can't really do it at club because they're not going to be into that kind of music or style. Um, But the seniors can do it and it has even fewer turns than talking to the moon they're not so abrupt so it's balanced it's level they're not tutting they're not using their hands nothing crazy Uh, and it's relevant for if they ever wanted to dance it somewhere else Uh, I think those are pretty representative of a lot of the the kinds of dances that I've been teaching lately. It's some combination of what I would like to do, what I'm excited to do, but which is also providing, hopefully, somewhat of a service for the dancers based on what their needs are. Whether it's just get warmed up at the start of the night or day and do something involving their bodies, whether or not they'll ever do it again. Uh, or whether it's you know people who want to learn something that may get danced, but which does not force me to have to learn a brand new dance that isn't going to be danced next year. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's pretty representative summing it up of the general sense of it, is that with the experiences that we have had both in teaching and learning. I'd probably accurately say that having someone be excited about their lesson, both the instructor and the student, makes the lesson that much better. Like, if you're an excited, enthusiastic instructor and your students are like, 
specifically for stagecoach is that the crowd has their energy and it hits you like waves and you have to meet that energy or you will drown in the waves they will swamp you and carry you out to sea and they'll never see you again <laughs> so if you do not if you do not meet that um, with you know your body language and your voice and your knowledge of what's coming next that you're going to teach them little cracks will show because you'll be thinking too hard. There's going to be awkward silence and now they're uncomfortable and their discomfort makes them angry and now you're fighting waves of anger. You would rather fight waves of enthusiasm with your enthusiasm so you're both kind of topping each other and everyone's having a great time. Right. Uh, Two of the things that you and I have talked about a little bit somewhat recently that I've been thinking about a lot recently uh, are passion and presence. And I've noticed that in pro wrestlers and when they show that they love what they're doing, when they're putting their all into a match, they're not being sloppy or they're not distracted, but they're really going for it, and they look like everything's happening spontaneously, even if they know what spots they're about to do next. When it seems like they're in the moment, then we're in the moment. When they look like they're waiting for a cue or they're looking around nervously instead of doubling down on the statement they just made on the microphone, then I get distracted because they were distracted. And I try to avoid being too far outside of the moment when I teach also because 
when the students get distracted, they have a harder time learning. They forget what you just taught them moments before. I try to chain everything together really tightly. Every section is followed by another cleanly and quickly taught section so they don't get distracted. Because <laughs> you only want to have to teach them this once. That doesn't mean you, you skimp out on the reps. In fact, the opposite uh, is made more possible when you don't waste their time. If you leave a lot of dead air or you ask questions which are just answered by you doing another set of reps, just do the reps anyway. <laughs> like you can fit more reps in during that time just by doing them and saying we're going to do them and here are the sections we're going to do so now their mind is primed to do them. The, the longer you're standing around as a student, which is why I don't take lessons these days most of the time at, a, at an event, when you're standing around, your body's getting worn out and it's not even doing the dance. Right. Like, I don't mind getting tired because I'm dancing. I'll dance all night if that's the energy that I'm putting out. It's like, my, my feet are moving, I'm stomping, I'm scuffing, I'm sliding. But if I'm standing, all I want to do is sit. Dancing does not make me want to sit. Standing makes me want to sit. So yeah. I try to have people stand around as little as possible. Also, I, I would hope that by varying the way that I say things or cue things, then they'll at least enjoy the audio experience. Even the people who are sitting will have a good time not knowing what's going to come out of my mouth next because I might not know either. Yeah, generally speaking. Yeah, stuff just kind of happens. It's magic. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, those are the two things I try to bring in to teaching for sure. The passion and presence. And I don't want to teach a dance if I can't at least seem passionate about it. I have to find some angle about the dance that I like so that I can legitimately tell them, all right, this is why I learned this dance. This part here, this is my favorite part. I look forward to this part every time it gets back to this wall. Uh, so we're going to definitely spend some time on it. Be sure we like have this part down. Right. Um, and then, yeah, with presence, I'm not like up there checking my phone or whatever. Uh, if, if possible, I like to avoid being on the step sheet, learning the dance as I'm teaching it. I'd rather just know it. Having that preparation uh, makes me feel a lot more confident so I don't have to second guess myself, which they will hear in your voice on the mic, and then they're second guessing whether they're doing it right because they don't even know if they've been taught it right by you. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's how it applies to uh, teaching also in dancing I look at these old videos of me from the bars in like 2014 at the grad or wherever it might have been and I think why did I look like I was having so much fun there and now like I still enjoy dances but maybe it isn't always as obvious why is that and back then I had very much a mentality of this could be the last time I dance this or any dance ever I need to be sure I left nothing behind. I left nothing um, you know, off the floor. I didn't hold back because later on when I get run over by a train and I'm looking at my legs on the track kicking me for not having danced more, uh, I wish that I had danced harder and more, more enthusiastically. And that's why I looked so bouncy back then. Uh, I also you know, depending on the challenge level of the dance, do get distracted. I, I do get taken out of the moment if it's something yeah. I've danced a gajillion times before and I'm like too clear of mind at that time of night uh, to, 
know, to, to get lost in the dance. If, if I'm just kind of going through the motions, which I really avoid doing, I, I try not to do a dance if I'm not gonna really dance it. Um, if, if I'm just kind of stepping through it, then you know, my mind starts thinking about, oh, what, what time is it? You know, am I gonna get enough sleep tonight? What do I have going on tomorrow? Like, no, dance is for present time. Dance is for moving at that uh, beat for, for those lyrics to express that story. Right. And if I'm not doing that, am I dancing or am I just like exercising? That's why I don't jog. It's not fun for me. <laughs> yeah, I tried the jogging thing. I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, no, you were... There's something about time and place for dances like you were kind of mentioning how like you can't do some of these melancholy solemn kind of dances ideally at one of these party bar nights like you save those for certain places and this allows you the opportunity to connect deeper to the song and dance because it's almost as if it's in this protected space versus you don't want to do something that would normally, you know, you go all out, throw every possible ounce of energy you have into this thing because it's so fun and so fast and so this and just like that a constant like electricity to it you wouldn't necessarily want to do it with your absolute beginner seniors and terrify them. (laughs) You know? Like, oh, I can't do that. There's no way I could do something like that. I need to just quit now. So, like, it almost is protected at this party bar scene the way one of your really pretty waltz or nightclubs are at say one of these socials or events or something like that so like it's really important to like be able to recognize which ones can you know flow back and forth versus which ones really do seem to fit better in a place which also allows someone like me the opportunity to enjoy a dance longer because I have noticed I can get overplayed when it comes to dances. Where it's like, are we still dancing this dance? Like, okay, yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Remember when you used to love this dance? And this dance used to get you to run out to the floor? What happened? When did that love for this dance go away? Did it go away? Where are you that this is where you're feeling right now? You know, and it turns into this whole thing. And it's kind of like you were saying, like, you don't like dancing a dance if you're not invested. And so, like, sometimes it's hard when I'm teaching something because I have to take that into consideration of like what happens if someone attaches this and this is their jam do I like this dance enough to keep supporting them if I'm the only other person on the floor with them or 
do I possibly need to rethink what I'm about to teach? We're nearly at Stoney's, but I have a cliffhanger question for you to think about oh, based fun, on fun. Uh, last Thursday. I, the next oh. time we have the record button going, would like to ask you how you balance a floor. Because oh. there are so many different dances that so many different people know from all these different places in Sonoma County, like the Senior Center group and right. the, the Young Sonoma State group and then the Ambitious Event Dancer group. Like, there's so many people who... Oh, and then the classics, the people go, who learned from country bars you know, 20 years ago. When everyone shows up on one night <laughs> and they're all difficulty levels from all four of these groups, uh, how, how do you deal? How do you manage? Uh, what are some principles that you go by? Uh, of course, you know, we are pulling into a parking spot right now, so you know, we'll have to table that for, for later, but you know, that's something that uh, oh, yeah. will be interesting to think about. I definitely already have some thoughts on that, so Excellent. that's exciting. Okay. So, well, yeah, you'll just have to remember your question to remind me. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> okay, well, uh, and then you know, hopefully I'll, I'll also you know, have some thoughts congealed by then uh, regarding my DJ experiences at like... Uh, Worlds and Masters as well. You know, if I if I have anything that comes to mind right. that's uh, you know similar to what you might uh, contribute. All right. Well, we're getting into this very bumpy off-roading parking lot <laughs> uh, outside Stony's Rock and Rodeo. Uh, I guess you know until until we get recording again, just in case it isn't tonight. Uh, thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, this has been Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. And until next time, we will uh, see, see you, you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor. Hello. Welcome to Lion Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. This may end up stitched to the previous episode, or you should just listen to the other one first. We are driving home now from Stoney's Rock and Rodeo after having chatted for a little over an hour on the way to Stoney's Rock and Rodeo the weekend following St. Patrick's Day 2022. Now our cliffhanger question for Megan, who just DJ'd kind of unexpectedly this last Thursday at Hotmunkta Tavern in Novato, uh, the question was, how did she balance, or how does one balance a night where it seems like every group is there from the absolute beginner first timers who just got dragged in by family members to the senior center ladies who like the, the dances a little mellow and slow and then the college kids who need everything hoppy, bouncy, peppy, violent uh, <laughs> and then the event young people dancers who are doing like 64 count salsa booty popping but like sophisticated challenging stuff just everyone all at once oh and the ones which I forgot this time again as well um, the ones who used to dance country line dancing like 20 years ago at Kodiak Jacks and other places everyone's there they've all got five requests we only have four hours and we still have to teach lessons how do you do it well, going back to your DJing unexpectedly last night. <laughs> tricky thing about that is I went into the night thinking I was going to DJ, showed up, found out I wasn't going to DJ, and then ended up DJing. Mm. So it was a very interesting night. <laughs> but I actually prefer the nights 
when all of those different groups show up. It gives me so much more to work with. It gives me so much more room to play. And I get to keep things fresh for a lot of different groups. Um, I definitely try and get a little something for everyone. And for me, it's a matter of being very fortunate that I've done this particular night with these particular individuals for quite some time now. So I have practice in knowing what they want. It definitely gets trickier in a bigger scene and not necessarily knowing which group of people know what. And you kind of have to take a little bit more risks as to what's going to fill your floor versus kill your floor. Um, but generally speaking, we like to start out with just some background music just to kind of smooth into the night, I guess you could say. Um, letting people get kind of settled, show up, uh, order their food and drinks, you know, that's kind of, and then the lesson, the first lesson, I really, really watch. I watch what people are doing. I watch how, how many people get on the floor for the lesson. I watch where they struggle and where they really, really excel uh, during the lesson to kind of have an idea of what they can handle. Um, if I got, you know, some kids out there that I've never met before, but they seem to be like catching on to everything really, really quick, then I know I could probably do some of the more along the lines higher beginner to improver range and they will follow it on the floor and just take that risk if they don't already know it versus there have been those nights where you know getting people just to get on the floor for the lesson is like pulling teeth so it's it's a definite different experience and every single night is its in fact own organism um, but I like to just kind of see what people are requesting first and foremost and that my goal generally speaking for our hot milk and twin notes nights is to play all of the requests if I can do all of the requests then I feel like it's been this special accomplishment. However, there are definitely some of those nights when every single person has like 50 requests and I'm like, guys, I've only got four hours. So good luck. Um, so from there, I will start throwing on, okay, we're going to warm up, ease into the, ease into the night. So after your lessons, I generally give one to two improver to low intermediate break songs because one to two lessons first thing in the beginning, you know, some beginners are like, okay, my brain is going to explode. I need a break. And then I will cycle back in through some of the more beginner friendly stuff such as electric slide or I will jump in with uh, country bump which I will sometimes call on the mic 
and sometimes I'll just be kind of leading it on stage as well. Um, one of the things I love, I think, most about our nights is that we have multiple lessons throughout the night that allow me to have a fallback plan if I have a lot of beginners or if I do notice that there's this one pocket of group that is just not getting out on the floor for anything. Um, I generally try and I put everything in some kind of like sidebar or cue or playlist kind of list form so I can visually see like what I have to work with and I kind of change the rotation around a little bit especially if someone comes up and requests a song and they're like hey you know we're gonna be leaving soon um, are you gonna be able to play this song kind of thing I can you know generally let them know yeah I can absolutely get that on in the next two songs because what I see on my list it's like okay I got an intermediate non-country an intermediate country and they're requesting a beginner non-country okay yeah I can get that on in two songs that's not a problem because that's the other thing is I tend to try and look at not playing too many slow songs back to back and not playing more than three maybe four high impact dances depending on who I'm working with I love when I know right where the limits at with a group of people and I can get them to that point where they have sweat so much because they just dance two or three songs in a row that like they go all out on because they love it and now I've given them an opportunity to take a break because I've moved on to a different group um, and like I had said earlier having the event dancers the club kids the new beginners the uh, the social slash uh, senior center group like having all of them to work with really does help be able to keep my floor rotating constantly and yes there is definitely several of them who cross over in multiples of those groups um, just because again we've been dancing together more or less for several years now with the occasional person cycling in and the other cycling out um, I do ultimately just try and get a little little slice of pie for everyone essentially so because I I've had those nights as a DJ where people are like why aren't you playing anything country and I look at my history and I'm like I, I played like six country songs like three songs ago where were you and then I've had the other, why do you only play country? And I'm like, mm, no, I don't only play country. Trust me, I just play a lot of stuff. Or these are too easy versus these are too hard. You know, I've had those nights where it has seemed as though somebody was upset about something. 
on those nights, when I look back at like my history and my playlist, and I see that I still have had a relatively even little bit for everybody kind of flow, I just hold on to the thought that I made a lot of other people really happy because they were on the dance floor all the time. So the biggest key is knowing your audience and knowing your tracks. I think knowing that this song is going to fill the floor versus this one um, is going to be a partial or this one's going to be a floor split or this one has a potential for a floor split so you can get more people on your floor or hey for the occasional couple dancers you can do a insert partner dance here in this section of the floor or you know trying to accommodate that uh, fortunately in our situation has been relatively not stressful um, just simply because the people who tend to attend our nights are of very similar minds of you know we're all out to share in the love of dance and have a good time and see each other and do something we all love and generally speaking are extremely respectful and I think we're very fortunate in that sense so I think with that they also are very gracious to know that even though their dance might not be, be play, being played right this second within the next so many songs they will probably have a turn um, it's also kind of you know, important to see who is constantly out there. Um, and I kind of touched on it earlier of just seeing, like, knowing people's limits before they're like, I just can't, I can't anymore. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I know you're, you've had one recent one where you've hosted one of our nights solo because I was at uh, Fort Wayne Dance for All, which uh, shout out to Jamie Marshall and that wonderful event. I was so glad I was able to make it back. Um, but you were able to host one of our nights solo and you, you definitely DJed a few times um, in the last so many months once we came back from being on another lockdown. What do you find helps you balance the night? Well, at this point, I've, I've had either equal or similar experience, just because I haven't done as many of our nights um, as you have. Um, I would say I have maybe slightly more experience doing like event DJing at this point, because I feel like I've done the last, at least the last two events, and then we did Vegas, mm -hmm. done Marathon. Um, I think. I, wonder if, I think I did a classic once. It wasn't this last one, but maybe the one before that. Yeah, that, yeah I, I think, think I so. randomly had my laptop. Mary Kate did this last one. 
Um, so I have some different principles that I go by there uh, compared to our nights because I kind of our, our set list is pretty limited compared to yes. the vast stuff you get at, at events. Right. Um, but I guess one that could apply kind of anywhere is um, sort of, I don't want to say like a rule of two. These are all guidelines. You definitely like, I think eventually you develop an intuition for it. Like Louis, he's just on the pulse of what's going on in the room. So he doesn't have to think in terms of rules or guidelines or anything like that because he just knows. He has that right. wisdom in his bones. But for those of us, like me at Marathon, the first time I did it there, who don't know anything <laughs> and are really just winging it and trying to study JP's old playlists and, and old event playlists to see what were the patterns, what were they doing, how did this work? Um, before you learn how to read a room and you're just kind of like applying principles, I would say get people, uh, transitions are hard. No one wants to get up from their seat after they just walked off right. and they're tired. But if they're already on the floor, they will dance another one if it's one they like. Uh, it's harder to get them out of their seat to the floor if it's one they only kind of half like. So maybe generally speaking, if you're hopping around and you're identifying handwriting, you're like, oh yeah, these, these were all written by one person, these were all written by another person. Instead of just doing one from each group, maybe do two, and of those two, pick the more exciting one first. Maybe it's newer, maybe it's upbeat, whatever it might be that you think makes it more exciting. If they put five requests, pick one that looks like they'll definitely get up out of their seats for it. And then pair that with one that they might not. Maybe one that would be a harder sell, but you know that they will do once they're there. Um, that will ensure that you know, that those dances get danced by the people who were supposedly going to dance them because they requested them, and they don't just sit out of them even if it was their request. Um, and also, they'll feel like it was their uh, efforts worth to get off of their chair to the floor because now when they sit down, they really danced. They didn't just dance one, they danced two. So when they sit, it's, it's a good sit. Tonight, we had an experience where I think I got out for a dance and I was excited to do it, but then the next one, eh, I, I could have done it, I guess, but it wasn't one that I was really feeling right then. So I went back to my chair, but I would have totally done another however many if he had, if our DJ had played more that I really wanted to do. I had the energy, I just didn't have the desire for those other selections that may have come up. Right. Uh, but I don't want to be ping-ponging back and forth. So once I sat down, there was later on, like within a dance or two, one that I could have gotten out for. But we were sitting behind one of those, like, chest-high guardrails, and I had to dip down below to get out there for that previous song. I don't want to do that every time. It really has to be worth it to get me out there. Uh, but once I'm there, I'm there. It takes effort for me to get off the floor at that point. So... I, I would say go by you know a, a loose rule of two, more exciting and then maybe less exciting after that. Um, and this may not necessarily apply to slow dances because uh, two nightclubs in a row can be awkward. People will get confused right. by a same rhythm 
twice in a row, they'll get the steps mixed up. Because there are a lot of nightclub basics and a lot of serpientes and whatnot in a lot of those, those kinds of dances, those styles of dances. So when they just did a dance that had a bunch of them and they go into another one that's just like that, it's too similar. Maybe you can get away with a slow sounding dance that isn't the same rhythm. So for example, let's say we were to do um, a nightclub like Poetry in Motion. Oh, no, that's, let's say Pieces. Okay. Pieces would be more likely. So uh, if you do Pieces followed by Faith and Desire, mm -hmm. Faith and Desire does not have a bunch of patterns that are in pieces, but they're both slow. Right. So you can put them together and your body is still at that slow zone. So it feels natural to go into faith and desire after pieces without falling asleep. Um, also, I like to keep a couple of those together, especially if, for the, the case of the slow songs, the more meaningful, deeper, oomph, right in the, right in the soul kind of dance. When that one comes second, the first one can lead into it. So like blue ain't your color. Yeah, it's a rolling count. It's um, you know, mellow, but it's not super like, oh my God, my emotions. So you get the slow dance appreciators out onto the floor with that. And now that they're kind of eased, they're not just like, you know, blood's pumping, we just did. I don't know, pump it or something, or new flow, ah. Oh. And now we gotta go into like, she used to be mine. That's 60 to zero, that's super intense. Right. Uh, I would say ease them down with a not too serious slow song. And then, since they're already there, they feel they're in a safe space to get vulnerable. That's when you start seeing like, free fallen, and she will be loved or Little Red Corvette, some of the other ones that we like that really need that clean, clear headspace and your body to feel ready for that slow, grounded movement. You don't want to rush out jogging to the floor to then go slowly. It, it's, it's awkward. So yeah, I like to pair things whenever possible. Um, and that includes at our dance nights too. Like, if you have... The, the group of people from the events doing like Cyber Drop and Cyber Remix makes sense to have back to back. If you have people who are doing um, Ain't Too Cool, they probably know Stitches or Sugar Honey IT. If they're doing MIB, they may know one of the other, you know, Tropicana Parking Lot or something, one of the other older line dances from this area or that you know, people used to do back here. Um, also, I mean, if we want to stereotype slightly, if it's one of our nights, it may be wise to play the college kids' stuff later because they show up late. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe play some of the, uh, the senior center stuff earlier because they like to turn in early, you know, yeah. generally speaking. And I remember that was the case back at Mavericks as well, where if you went in the first hour, you were going to get like Cripple Creek and I'm a Cowboy and Amel. Well, I don't know about Amelda's, maybe Amelda's fight. Uh, some of those old ones, ooh, ah, yeah. really old dances that you know you would not hear at 11.30 at night right. because that's when the older folks were there and they know the older dances. And then for folks like us who just go for the entire night, you know, we see everything and we just uh, learn all of it. Uh, let's see. 
I, I guess another general principle, like you were saying, knowing your audience, I would say know your categories as well. Because you kind of broke it down earlier, saying like non-country, country. Those are those are two categories. Yeah. Um, you could definitely get more specific. Oh yeah, and then difficulty levels. Those are another set of categories from beginner, improver, intermediate to advanced. Um, beats per minute you know, would be like you know your chunks, your chunks of kinds of dances. So speed. Uh, there's a ton of stuff in like the 120 range. Uh, there are fewer in like the 100, 110. Very little of interest in like the 90 to 100, and that's where you get a lot of West Coast swing dancers. And that's another thing. Know which of your songs can double as partner dances, because sometimes you go to these events, and when it gets late enough, especially if it's like a, a UCWDC or a competition event, the competition dancers will wander in and they know partner dancing. Or you just generally have enthusiasts of partner dancing out there. So you can play Swing Your Chains and it can double as a West Coast Swing for those who like that. Or you can play uh, Yes You Won't and I guess some people like to do step to that. I love to do step. Yep, uh, you got Swinging R's for swing dancing. You know, a lot of these uh, can, can be multifunctional right. dances. So save those for when you need them later. Uh, so yeah, that's another category it would be like tempo. Uh, also style of dance. Just because it's a slow dance doesn't mean it's necessarily like one kind because you've got uh, waltz, which like has like the definite rise and fall. You've got rolling count, which is too fast for rise and fall. Uh, you've got uh, nightclubs. And then you just have like the kind of wonky ones that are slow. <laughs> Uh, and they don't really have the patterns that are in a lot of the other ones. So like West Coast Swing ones might be uh, varied in their movements. Um, um, triple two. Mm. That's another tempo. Um, I was. It's a partner style dance that is described as a romantic leisurely walk, basically. All right. It's just that when you hear that sound in music. Um, it's generally that feel that you get. Like you could see yourself walking through a park with your significant other during this track. Interesting. Yeah, and it's called a triple two. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, choreographers are another category, and you yes. can pair those as well because they don't want to get overworked. If they're teaching all day and they're doing show practice during their meal time, and they're socializing with everyone, which for for a lot of these people is a lot of work because a lot of us are introverts. Um, and it takes a lot of energy to talk with a lot of people when you're used to just hiding for most of your life. <laughs> and, and then for a weekend, you're talking with like every other person in the hall. Uh, for me, you know, I've gotten uh, a lot more comfortable with it, but it's, it's still like, uh, like exercise for some of these folks. You know, they really have to put effort into it. So dancing... Well, yes, you know, is a fun thing for all of us. It's it's our pastime. Uh, a lot of them want a little bit of pacing, uh, so that they're not out there for six in a row or something. Uh, maybe give them two of theirs and then rotate to somebody else who is also in the room, and you know, they have two dances that people will like. Uh, so yeah, choreographers would be another category that you can rotate around. Uh, classics, people who will do, I mean, again, it's it's hard to get excited about every single classic that exists. Right. And just because you know a dance doesn't mean you're gonna do it. But if you do that pairing thing again, 
you throw up something that is kind of a novelty that people are excited to do that they haven't done in years and then you put one of the other ones that they'll probably know and they'll probably dance right after it because then they're still dancing they feel like oh I did dance tonight and you you, um, you get two classics into the rotation that maybe more people can now see and consider learning because they wouldn't have seen them otherwise. Right. Yeah. Uh, and as for events, I mean the same thing kind of goes with uh, with what you'll play later in the evening, since uh, the younger folks will stay up later most likely. You can save a lot of like Shane dances. Uh, maybe some of the funkier Fred dances or even Roy for later because you know that they will stay up for them. Right. Whereas some of the other ones uh, that, you know, maybe Kodigo, you play a little earlier. That can be more of like an opener dance. You know, right. one, one of the first eight or so. Uh, because the kind of, pe- the, 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 the category of dancers who get super jazzed about Kodigo and Gypsy Queen <laughs> Uh, they, are, they are probably not staying up until 1.30, generally speaking, uh, compared to the folks who are doing, like, Don't Sweat It, who are dancing that at 3 a.m. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, know your categories, and then try to balance the rotation of all of those as best you can. There are a lot of them. Mm, I guess maybe also know your years. Years are kind of a category, because... Even if two dances are by completely different choreographers at completely different tempos, people may have learned them at the same time if they were both the hit dance of 2016 or something. Yeah. So those are two that you can chunk. Hmm. I'm wondering what other categories there might be. Oh, and also moments. Moments are a big thing. Um, Know when you're building, if, if you were doing it intentionally and you're not just like observing the room to see what happens and anything could happen at any time, kind of get a sense of looking at your request list, whether you are building to a moment that is like unexpected, big energy, and then let the moment breathe. You know, put something after it that really highlights that a big thing just happened, but we don't need to do five big things in a row you know it can be like hairspray and then something mellower like jesse james you know like let let the calm help define the the boundary of the moment uh the showpiece the big production number whatever it might be come alive could be another one uh straight to the castle when people learned that you know that was probably like a big thing like whoa, this is the thing in the night that we were looking forward to. Ideally, there should be at least one of those every night. There does not need to be uh, like one at the top of every hour necessarily. But if you can get one good big one, something that people remember that was special about that night, then you can have a Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday big moment. Right. Which then, you know, cumulatively adds up to a memorable event. But also know, know your timing on that. The big moment will probably not happen at 2.15. Maybe somewhere after all the uh, the openers are done, after the big hit workshop dances are done, uh, once people's gar- guards have come down a little bit and they're just kind of, uh, you know, going with the, the groove, then you throw something at them. And they're like, what? 
and suddenly they're paying attention again. Right. And that can be, uh, you know, anywhere between like 10 and midnight. And that way when people do go to sleep, they feel good because they didn't miss the moment. Right. Yeah. And then you let the late night people play. Even Stoney's has that in a way. Like they, they also see people trickle out around midnight as we did tonight. Uh, <laughs> which is very unusual for us. Let yeah. me tell you, um, we have a, a big day planned for tomorrow. So sometimes you have to borrow from tonight so that you can, you know, have uh, the payoff that is tomorrow. Um, and, and some of us had very long work days. That's also true. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. But. Uh, I e me. <laughs> but yeah, in that like last half hour to hour stretch before everybody leaves and there there's sometimes that uh, unexpected dance that gets thrown in and uh, then people are like whoa I've never seen anything like that before yeah. then they tell a friend that's... and yeah that's how you prevent stagnation and that's how you keep people coming back because if it's the same thing every week and they know that it's the same thing every week and if you do, if you try to shake it up at like 12:30 when they're already gone they don't know any different and they can pass next week because they're like, oh no, it'll be the same as it always is. And it was fine last week, but I don't need to drive out and spend all my gas money on it because, you know, I already know what's going to happen. You got to give them that unexpected taste before they go home because that'll keep them on their toes for the next time they think about coming. Right. And that's actually some, something that sparked a, a thought mm -hmm. that I also take into consideration is... And again, it goes down to knowing your dancers, knowing the tracks, knowing the sound, and knowing who's going to play and put on a performance, especially if it's going to be a number that kills your floor. Mm. Like if, if all of a sudden you're going to drop from, you know, 100 people on your floor to like 10, are these 10 people going to sell the heck out of this dance that people feel like they're getting a show for this next three and a half minutes and so they're okay sitting down and watching? Or is it going to be one of those that you're like, why are we, what is happening? I could be dancing right now. You know, who is going to sell it? Who is going to be on that floor? Like, generally speaking, perfect example is dangerous. It doesn't typically pack the floor, but if John is at an event... This is John Robinson. John Robinson, yeah. And you can play dangerous at the right moment of the night, it's gonna be worth it. JP has the ability to use situations like that that stick out in my mind because they were so memorable that he could then you know maybe play a little bit speed up the music and slow it down and speed it up and slow it down and John being the performer that he is is gonna go out there and sell the heck out of it and play along with JP because they've built that rapport, they know each other, and they know that dance and what can be done with it. Versus, you know, having 
some of those with your people or people that you're just familiar with is also equally as beneficial because like I think about it all the time of like if I'm going to request anything at Stoney's that I know is just you and me I really think about okay what is this going to look like because it's going to be two of us on this ginormous floor and people are going to stare people are going to watch they're going to want to know why all of a sudden there's only two of us out there and if it's you know something that neither one of us look like we're having fun doing that's going to be a huge difference than if both of us are as you know wild and crazy full of energy putting every possible movement we possibly can to make the song and dance come alive like that's a show that's a performance that is people are going to be entertained um so i have to think okay what displays well Mm -hmm. like what feels really good is doesn't always display really well true so what's going to display well what is uh, what are people going to look at and be like dude that was so cool what dance was that i need to learn it I, we used it one night forever and a day ago. We had some visitors out of town at Twin Oaks one night. And we don't typically play the dance because we don't typically have people who know it at this particular location. But when these two individuals requested dig your heels, like everybody had so much fun watching and they were cheering and they were hooting and hollering and so not only did we get to give our people a break we got to give these two guests a special spotlight moment and it displayed well people ate it up they loved it they really really enjoyed it so having things like that that you can fall on and fill in gaps is also kind of important. Yeah, and as a dancer, if you do request one of those obscure dances and no one comes out to join you, that's okay, but you have to sell it. Right. You need to make it worth everyone's while that they are waiting for you and dance that like it's your very favorite dance in the entire world, uh, even if you're not even sure how it goes. Because otherwise, like we said in you know, our last segment of recording, the energy of the crowd will demolish you. Uh, you need to match their, their patient waiting energy uh, of observation with energy of your own dancing the heck out of that dance. Right. And then people won't feel bad for waiting and sitting out of something they could dance because they're enjoying you. Well, and I mean, and even me tonight, there was a dance... I mean, I probably knew the dance in all honesty, but I was in that like, okay, I'm kind of feeling the, I need to be a little bit more selective with my energy and what I know I can throw at a dance. And so I was like, it's okay. I feel like I'm good. I just danced a few in a row. I'm going to sit down. And I was watching um, some of our, our friends dance, our recent acquaintance friends, and... 
I just, I had so much fun just watching them do their own style and add their own little, you know, spins this way and little movements that way and an extra pause here and emphasis there. And it was like, they're really fun to watch. So it's like, even me at the bar can find those moments where I'm like, I'm glad I sat down and just took a moment to watch someone have some fun. Two things that came to mind when you were talking about killing the floor um, were the difference among the days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yes. Sunday is kind of a non-issue. Generally speaking, if there's open dance, it's like dancing the floor away or just some afternoon party or whatnot. But there's usually Sunday night dance. So usually the only dances, dance nights you have to think about are Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And another pairing, which is the risk and the sure thing. On Thursday, nobody's taking any workshops yet. There are no workshops. People are just flying in. It's the first night of open dance. You can get away with anything, and you really should take advantage of that. You can use Thursdays to gauge what everyone knows and keep mental notes on what a lot of them know and like and what they're excited to dance. Also, if... If you see something that's like, oh, wow, I have no idea what this is, but they seem excited about it, that's the night to play it. Because very often I find that when I request something, I only need to do it once for the entire weekend. I don't need to dance a dance, even if I like it, every night. I just like the experience of dancing some of my favorite stuff on a big, smooth, pretty floor. Yep. Yeah. Uh, And also among, you know, people I like. Uh, Thursday night is a great night for just kind of getting it out of the way to say that it was at least played just so it was done you know they had the experience of it and that's all anyone can really hope for is to just do it at least once Um, with that also um, I like to pair the risks the ones that I don't know that people are going to like the ones I've never seen before uh, or the workshops that may not have had as much attendance with the sure thing, the gypsy queen, the American kids, the, right. all those. Um, so on Friday, when you do have people taking classes all day, that's what's going to be hopefully in the earlier part of your set. A lot of workshop dance dances sprinkled in with opener dances. Also with openers, I like to do some of the more recent big hits uh, because that's what people are excited about. You know, right now so Mm -hmm. it gets them going more Um, and then the workshop ones because the people who have taken those workshops may have been up since 9am and they're probably going to sleep so get those in in the first couple hours if you can and they won't feel like they wasted their time teaching or learning those teaches um, because they didn't even get to dance them in open dance Uh, so you're going to have a stock that you'll hopefully prepare ahead of time of sure thing dances in your head for both Thursday and Friday to pad the risk of low attendance workshops and uncertain, never seen this before, Thursday requests. Now that you've got all of that combined between Thursday and Friday, Saturday, from what I've been told, is your greatest hits night. You just do everything that people have liked for the last two nights and you don't even have to worry as much about risks because you already played those earlier and 
you know, you played the Friday workshop stuff on Friday, you're playing your Saturday workshop stuff then, but don't take too many risks or you don't need to take too many risks on Saturday because they're going home. A lot of them are leaving Sunday midday. This is their last chance to dance. Right. You want to give them the most dancing they possibly can have. And if, if you have any sure things that you didn't play already that you stored in your back pocket, get them out there on Saturday. Uh, I, I had talked to, I think, Louie about, you know, whether I should pace out some of these big floor filler things. Because, like, oh, what if I need this at 1230 to save the floor after I accidentally killed it? He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, I, maybe it was specifically Saturday he was talking about it. Maybe he just meant in general. He, he described it as, no, blow your load. First two hours, these people are going to sleep play all the stuff that they want to dance. Maybe it was specifically for Vegas. I don't know, because like, yeah. they do go to sleep early there. Um, just on Saturday, get it all out there. And um, Thursday, also, I like to play stuff that I'm probably going to play Saturday. Because I like to leave a space of a day between having done the, the, the dances. That way it doesn't feel like, oh, I just did this. By Saturday, the Thursday dances are already fresh again. It's been a whole 48 hours and they get excited about it all over again. Friday, you just have to figure out what are your dances that may only get played once. Mm -hmm. yeah. You look like you had bookmarked thoughts. I did, but I'm also driving home pretty late slash early in the morning, mm -hmm. so um, I will come back to whatever thought I originally had. Okay. But I have another interesting question for you. Yo, yo. Because... Obviously, I have my own thoughts, my own experiences, but what are some of your tips, tricks, pros slash cons of splitting a DJ night? And like, what are some of the challenges that you have found versus some of the challenges you thought you might have had that you didn't? Mm. There have been events where one person takes the openers and the other person closes it out. I mean, for the opening person, it's easy. They can do whatever they want. Closing person kind of has to pay attention <laughs> because you don't want to repeat too much that they just did like an hour ago. And if you're wandering in, you have no idea what was played, you may accidentally play something that was just played. So it does behoove the closer to pay attention to the earlier stuff. Um, also, it is okay to just get on the mic and say, all right, we're changing over DJs. Um, we're starting a fresh request list. Whatever was requested before, I don't know. I didn't see it. Uh, write down, if you are a person who is in the room right now, write down what you have not danced yet that you would like to dance. And that's, I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. Then you don't have to pay attention. You don't have to do anything really. Um, Let's see. I'm wondering if there's anything else. I mean, I haven't really had to do a, a, a shared night that many times in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be... Oh my goodness. If you're in the lobby in Vegas, definitely try to pay attention to what was played in the previous hour, or you are going to hear a lot of Codigo, Senorita <laughs> La La La, Lonely Drum. Havana. Yeah. And the people who are vendors in the room also have to hear those over and over again. So I would say if you are the second or third DJ of the day, try to avoid anything, even if it's being requested. 
avoid playing things that you think were probably played earlier. Right. You know, if if you have 30 minutes left in your set and there are 40 minutes worth of dance requests, just kind of conveniently not play the other ones that people probably danced at lunch and also at breakfast. Yeah. And then take take the risks, you know, play the play the weird stuff that like you know like asking questions or tush push maybe the other DJs didn't play those because they're older classics but people will dance for them and right. you know with those tush push especially you could play any song for that just about you know you could do anything for an electric slide uh, and asking questions also has some options dizzy has been song switched uh, Cruz see some of these are still the dance and song paired because they're so new. Lonely Drum, most people don't want to switch it. But some... What was that? I said hee hee. Hee hee. Unless you're me. Yeah. Some <laughs> dances are you know old enough now that people have taken chances on them, changed out the songs, and there has not been violent outcry against that. So at events we've seen Dizzy, Jukebox, Cruisin', uh, poetry in Motion, Have Fun, Go Mad, all changed to different songs so that the same dances played all three nights maybe, but not necessarily to the same song all three right. nights. That does help keep it fresh. Uh, if you are able to do that in the line dance lobby in Vegas because it is so shared, uh, I would say you know try to do things like that that keep it fresh for everyone who's yeah. stuck there for eight hours all day. I definitely know that Vegas lobby, specifically the lobby, is 100%. It is own beast. Yes. And it's certainly exactly what you said about, you know, pay a little bit of attention. Feel free to scroll back a little bit. Ask the DJ as you're getting ready. Because most of us show up, what, 20 minutes at least before our next shift? when we do the DJ and we just kind of hang out with each other and just talk and get, you know, see how is, how's the lobby been so far? You know, it's not hard to be like, yeah, we had a request for these. The other thing is for me, I lobby wise, depending on my shift, I like to save some of the ones that I know will be more beneficial not in the middle of a class mm. because the lobby is open what like half an hour before most classes start mm. all day through lunch like the ones that I like to save like I don't very specifically like I don't need to play Kodigo at 9 o'clock in the morning yeah that'd be a waste I was like I'll have two people on the floor mm. maybe four because everybody's in their first 9 a.m. class. Everybody's excited about that. Um, versus I can play some of the other stuff that is a little bit more classic-y, like Fly Like a Bird or something like that, where you're just like, all right, this is a little random, but let's go for it. You know, take those risks, have a little bit of fun. Um, I've done, you know, quick little walkthroughs or some beginner dances I've gotten out there and danced some of the things with people I've definitely absolutely have played the this is my first event straight out of the country bar requests 
because that is what the lobby is for. Mm-hmm. That was me my first year. That is exactly what the lobby is for. It is your lobby request away. And I will absolutely love to play those because sometimes you get some really cute dances out of that when you're watching, you know, these, like I said, fresh out of the bar first event. I've been there. <laughs> you know, um, I like the smoother, softer, but not put you to sleep dances for the early, early morning, like I need my tea and coffee before I attack the day kind of vibe where people will still get out and dance, but also it's kind of a nice sound while they're walking in between the class or to the next class or stuff like that. Um, closer towards the middle of the day. Um, I like to get things to be more of a party ish, but a wholesome party. Mm. I definitely took advantage of everybody standing in line waiting for the <laughs> night ballroom to open when I was that last DJ before the show and I played me some definite floor party filler kind of dances and got people running back and forth from the line to the floor um, because I knew they were about to go and sit for a show mm-hmm. and why not have some fun while I can mm-hmm So that's definitely been one of the things. But I know for me, we're starting a new list is a huge, huge help. And communicating with my previous DJ. Mm -hmm. I think that also goes well with requests. If you have something you want to dance, um, talk to whoever one of the other DJs is so that they can play it and make sure they have the song or whatever. Because if you like the dance, it may be tempting for you to play it yourself. That way you know it gets played. But then you are missing part of it if you have to run off the floor and get the next one ready. Or even worse, you leave dead air so you, the DJ, can enjoy the dance you played for you. And then everyone's waiting for you to get the next one ready because you're jogging off the the floor to to get it so just communicate with one of the other DJs and you can you know help each other out yeah I've definitely told one or two people before like I have so much energy to burn keep me on the floor like you know what I'm out here for I don't care if it's a floor filler it doesn't have to be one of my specific dances because obviously we all have the ones that are like oh they're playing that one because that is the one I've requested so many times that I will always be out on the floor for this dance they know it's like you know this is how you call insert dancer name here to the floor you know um they can play stuff like um this last perfect example um this last event and even a couple prior to that gives me shivers that will get me out on the floor for sure it's 100% a floor filler dance but I don't know I mean I think even I tried to I think I almost sat out of it once and I was 
beckoned to the floor by an individual and she's like, get your butt over here. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> it's like, I've danced this about 12 times this weekend, but yes, ma'am. <laughs> and then of course I had the time of my life on the floor because I love that dance. It is so much fun. So that's one of those where it's like, just keep me out on the floor. I don't care what you play. Just play something. And then there's been other times where I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Play for everyone else. I'm good. I'm solid. I'm just going to chill here. I'm going to watch what you do. I'm going to kind of, you know, observe and see like who gets out for what and make my, you know, snapshot in my brain. Oh, this group knows that dance. Oh, this group got out for this dance. Okay, this was actually a pretty decently packed floor. I might not have made that decision, you know, not knowing or, you know, something like that. But it's uh, certainly one of those that I am looking forward to specifically working with you at Northwest Line Dance Blast being the co-main uh, request room DJs. I'm like, I feel like we're going to have some fun and some hard work ahead of us, but I think overall it's going to be quite a special event because we get to share in that. Mm-hmm. A couple bookmarks that came to mind are definitely quality check your music before going into anything major as far as DJ gigs. I actually had a, a, a recent gig um, as a, a two-step Tuesday uh, instructor and then later DJ for you know the extra time that there was for just playing music. And I had an old copy of a song that was tagged, I guess, for like Tush Push or something or maybe two, it was two-step. I had looked up two-step in my virtual DJ program and I played it, but I I just played it because it said two-step. It came up as one of my two-step songs, but I'm not a two-step guy. So I just trusted that it would be fine. Then I, I looked more closely later after the song faded out on its own and I saw, oh, this was for some kind of competition or something. And this copy was only supposed to last for two, two minutes, minutes. Uh, so that the competitors could do a two-step and mm-hmm. they, they rather than have the DJ faded out, the music itself fades out. Yeah. I did not know that. So um, that was in my system with my other music and I just didn't think to, uh, to yeah. get a, a longer song onto the deck that didn't even look at it. That These are things sense. you don't think about until they happen to you on right. the main floor. <laughs> Or when you, uh, when, for me at Marathon, when you post the name of a dance coming up in a few songs, and then the song approaches, and you realize you don't have it. And then yeah. you change it, and people get mad at you, because they're like, hey, you can't just mess with stuff like that. Like, we were preparing to do this, and people are structuring their nights around what's up yeah. on the projector. And Yeah, you really have to be sure you, you have the things that you intend to have at the quality you intend to play them at before you go to whatever the event is. And that's where it helps to know who the choreographers are um, that are going to be there so you know which of theirs you may have on deck, which things you'll be ready to splash out there for people. Um, Also, what their latest hit dances are, what the generally latest 
tit dances are because if those dances are not being taught that weekend, you may not have the music. They may be so new that you didn't just happen to have them and no one will send them to you if they're not being taught. Usually if people are teaching, they'll, they'll forward everything to the DJ so that they can play them for demos. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, it's on you. <laughs> you gotta kinda pay attention to the charts and get a sense of what may get requested. Now, on the first night, it's okay to say like, oh yeah, wow, that's a new one. I, I don't have that, but you know, by tomorrow night, I'll have that. Yeah. And then you better have it by tomorrow night. Um, but generally speaking, it's a good idea to just look for some sure things that are probably going to get requested and get them ahead of time. You don't have to worry about the hotel Wi-Fi or whether you have to pay extra for it or any of that. You just have the stuff in advance. Yeah, I've definitely had a few of those um, I don't have it uh, requests. Uh, like when they're... when people come up and they request do you have I'm like ooh I don't actually know if I do let me check I was like oh it's not coming up um, let me see if I can find it and if not I will definitely have it for you by tomorrow and you know that kind of situation does occur um, and I mean I can't even tell you how much music I bought at this Las Vegas because <laughs> I was getting so many request I was like I've never even heard of this dance this is impressive you know because there's a lot of people from the you know west coast area that fly into Vegas because it's one of the few you know big time events and people look forward to it and it's one of the events in which they get to see several different choreographers every year. And they come from their local classes and their local, you know, bars. And for whatever reason, the biggest state that we are, I don't think we can agree on it in very many dances. Mm. <laughs> um because there's definitely a variety that happens in our quote-unquote two-hour to four-hour radius where, perfect example, I know three different song or dances to one song that is done in our area. And, you know, it's one of those kind of things as well when it comes to we don't do that dance in my area what's the song mm -hmm. and having to find the song can be a little bit tricky sometimes but I try really hard to tell people check back in with me like remind me again worst case scenario because like I want to play these songs for people I want people to have their peak moment with their favorite song and their favorite choreographer and their best friend and insert whatever it is here but sometimes it's a little bit tricky to be able to get like you were saying the the song due to the wi-fi in the area like we don't always have the best connection to just download it right then and there um and sometimes i do need a little bit more like okay who is the choreographer to this dance title do you know what the song is called because sometimes looking it up on the interwebs through Line Dancer Web or Copper Knob or Kick It or any of those, like 
for whatever reason it's not pulling up whether it's they you mistyped something they didn't give you the full name I mean there's so many so many things that can go wrong in just the translation between can you play this and what you know we have yeah, something I've been doing recently has been playing the full song to be sure that the quality, even if, so sometimes you'll see something labeled as whatever you think it's going to be, and then you find out it's not that. That's yeah. that's, that's a huge problem. Uh, sometimes you are playing a gig that should have the clean version, and then it never occurred to you to label which of your eight copies of something is the clean version. Um, and sometimes, like what I discovered with um, Cry To Me, at the whatever 50 second mark or 150 or 250, there, there's some mark where it gets scratchy. And I, there were so many copies that I had of that song that got scratchy for six seconds at that same point. I thought, is it just how this song was recorded? Like, did they just leave right. that in? And then I went to Spotify and played it there their copy was normal like it was kind of distorted ish so maybe they remastered it at some point and maybe mine was just before that so they never right. fixed they wasn't fixed at that time yet but I wouldn't have noticed that until the big day when it was time to play it over big speakers in a ballroom right. um, and that could have detracted from somebody's dance experience so be sure to listen from beginning to end anything that you intend to put in front of other people especially if you have received music from others and you're just kind of trusting that it's good stuff like always check do your due diligence and check for yourself right one of the things that I was kind of thinking about that is also playing the correct version of the song because like there's songs out there featuring this version mm, or this person's live. remix or acoustic live not acoustic um, getting the correct version is also pretty important because I know me and I know how I attach myself to certain songs for certain reasons and then when I don't get that right song I'm like what is this why does this sound like this this is not it um, and then there's other things where I will spend the whole dance trying to figure out why it isn't right. And then all of a sudden I'll realize, oh, it's a cover. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like some karaoke track or something. Like, it's, something's off. Something, oh, that's why. So, like, listening is so important to your music. As we have just literally experienced firsthand little bloopers here and there that were like, oh, okay, well, okay. I probably shouldn't just trust that digital music will last forever considering it does degrade over time. <laughs> so, whoops, my bad. I would also recommend getting to know your DJ system ahead of time so you're not learning it on the fly because I was learning a lot at Marathon. I, I had a combination because my, my music library was... Or limited at, at that time and I didn't really know DJ software as well so sometimes I was playing through um, what was it DJ Pro which is from at the time for me mostly sourced through Spotify tracks um, and you know some tracks that I had myself but 
get to know your actual professional DJ software before other people have to hear it. Because I think I also had a problem of beat, uh, I think we we both had a a beat matching problem where if if you put something in one deck and then you put something in the other deck that's to the right of it or to the left of it, it will automatically change the tempo. And then as soon as you play the song, whoop, this is wrong. And you have to adjust it, but everyone's already heard it. So now they think you're messing with the sound, but no, you're just correcting it. Right. And that's disorienting. The less you can disorient your people, the better. Yeah, there's there's definitely been that. There's been situations in which, like, loading from one to the next and the sound will drop out or something weird will happen and it'll, like, glitch the other one and automatically start playing or, you know... It's just, there's so many things that can go wrong with trying to wing it that you might as well as just know it. Like, this is what you're getting paid to do. Mm-hmm, yeah, like, treat it like like you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is now officially your job at this point. So... <laughs> um, I definitely have taken a lot of time over the last several months to troubleshoot and try and quote unquote break my system so that I could figure out how to fix my system in case something weird happens. Like, I have pressed buttons, been like, what's this do? What's this do? What's that do? Which also has found some pretty cool features in uh, the particular program I use. Um, But also, I've gotten stuck in places where like, oh no, what I do now? Okay, let's try and figure out what button I pressed and how I did this and now why this sound isn't coming out in this one thing. So, it's not necessarily recommended to break it in order to try and fix it, but to know, like, what few settings you should first check off your list of trying before having to, you know, quote-unquote, did you turn it off and restart it? Oh, yeah, and speaking of turning it off and restart it, make sure that your computer is not scheduled for any updates uh, (laughs) that require Windows to shut down and, and reboot and take, like, half an hour. Do all that beforehand. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it'll happen when you weren't expecting it, but it's right after you've like opened your computer for the first time of the day. Open your computer like an hour before you're scheduled to go on. That way you have more of a heads up. Right. Because it might just start when you open it up if you're doing it right before your gig starts. That, yeah. that has happened to me too close to the, the time period when I needed my computer. And it, it was doing updates. It was installing. It says, you're almost done. Well, it's not done yet. And there's no way out. And um, as we have experienced for other things, um, or I guess at other events and other situations, that was once told to us have backups for your backups for your backups. Mm-hmm. Have as many backups as you possibly can so that if something does happen, 
you are able to just keep the show on the road because one of the few things I have tried my bestest, not always successful, but tried my bestest is to not let people know when something didn't go according to plan. Yes. It's very much along the lines of, nope, everything's fine. I don't know what you're talking about. It's fantastic. You wouldn't have known the difference had I not told you. So let's just not tell you. And sometimes the backup may come in the form of another person who is also a DJ and has her laptop with her. <laughs> so make sure that she has the same music you do. Right. Also, get to know ways that you can customize your DJ experience to help set you apart as an individual to make people's night more memorable. When Louie is your DJ, you know that Louie is your DJ. When Jill has access to the projector, she may type some stuff into it. She may say things on the mic to introduce the next dance that other people would not necessarily say. Same thing with JP. Yeah, JP has his little things, his quirks, and that... That is fun for the DJ, of course, and also fun for the people, and any little thing that deviates off the set path makes things more interesting and more memorable for people, and when they leave, all they're going to have are memories. They'll maybe remember the dances they learned and what was danced in open dance, but if it's just a jukebox, Spotify, playlist, one dance, coming up next is Watermelon Crawl. Like, they, they have the moment of doing the dance and then that's it. To right. give them more, give them the extra flavor. Do uh, whatever the sound effect might be for a dance that calls for it. Like uh, boots, sometimes people will do the whip crack as an added sound effect in their DJ software while boots is playing. You can also, if you don't want to just do a sound effect on the fly, like you know, with lay low, the, the rainfall sound effect, uh, you can also just pre-mix that. You can create your right. own versions of things. I have a copy uh, that I came upon at some point of uh, Knockin' Boots that was customized to have an intro by another DJ. Or at least that's what it says on the file name. And I thank that DJ for having created that. Because right. if it were up to Luke Bryan, we would just start dancing as soon as he starts singing in the first two seconds of the song. We, the line dancers, like a little bit of a count-in. Um, you know, kind of like how some of them, for ext uh, Extreme Love, uh, I think Niels is counting in like five, six, seven, da-da-dum-bum, top myself right. to, and it goes right into it. That way you, uh, you have a little bit more of a heads up. DJs can do that if, if you know how to you know, mess with audio files so that the same old dance that people have been doing forever is now a little fresher. Right. It's special for that time that they danced it at Florida Line Dance Classic or wherever it might be. So yeah, if you've got like special patter or if you want to call somebody out who's on the floor and be like, hey, I see you doing that thing, whatever it is, you know, it, it, it brings people into the present experience and sets it apart from every other time they've heard Dizzy. Yeah, there's a, a running gag, I guess you could say. Um, for our Thursday nights when, for whatever reason, you are pulled away from the night and unable to attend, and it's just me, and it's 
hashtag unsupervised. You play the dirty versions. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I call things out on the mic, and I joke around with more people, and I, you know, I, I make those nights a little extra something because of the fact that it's like I want people to have a good time. I want people to have these memories. I want people to laugh and enjoy themselves. And again, now it's turned into this thing where it's hashtag unsupervised. So they love when we're hosting the nights together because they get both of us, which brings something different to the night in general. But then when they only get one of us, we each have our own flair that we do in addition to if you were to get us at the same night. So that's kind of fun in that sense. Mm -hmm. So that like having those extra little things where, you know, people can be like, yeah, Megan was my DJ. Christopher was my DJ. And this is what happened. I definitely know, like when you were talking about little things that they do, like, Straight up. Jill makes the crashing rain sounds for Lay Low. JP, SGS, you know, slowly, gently, softer, pull my hair. Mm-hmm. Harder, faster, you know, all that fun stuff. Louie with the um, <clears throat> rum, rum, for power mix. Like, those are three very different things that the others do not do for those specific things because that's very much that DJ. And again, it's memorable. It's been how many years now and consistent enough and fun enough that I think that's something special. Oh, consistent. That's something something you do that I like it, with your DJ decks is you have a direction that you use for playing the, uh, the stuff that you have lined up. So you'll go like top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right. And that makes it easier for people to know what's coming if you're away for the moment you're like oh I'll just play whatever's coming next if it's me and I wander over there I know what's coming next because I know the direction that you use consistently for playing upcoming tracks now somebody else might want to do clockwise somebody else might just have their favorite colors but if you're just throwing songs onto the deck haphazardly and somebody's chatting with you and you're like oh it's time for the next one you might not remember which one's supposed to be next according to what you typed on the projector right. if you don't have a system. So the more systems you can have, the saner you will be as a DJ because it can be very frazzling when right. like five things are all happening at once and they're all urgent. Well, and yeah, absolutely that. And also, I use four decks, mm-hmm. whereas I believe Jill only uses two. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a difference and there's a benefit to both. Um, I like having more options because I, I am very much on the, I like having the four loaded at, at the same time and the one playing, knowing that I can constantly keep the cycle moving so that I'm not all of a sudden caught off guard where I was in a conversation with someone over something and forgot to load. Mm-hmm both decks and now I'm out of music and it's like Mm -hmm. oh no so for me I like having that little bit of buffer of having four decks but like I've done like I've opened it up into the six decks thing and I'm like no no too much 
too much, too complicated. You don't need all that. So, like, I've dropped it back down to the four decks. But, yes, I definitely <laughs> start in the top left and then top right and then bottom left, bottom right. Because for me, like, I think of it like reading a page. Yes. And that's how, that's how I've looked at it. And it, again, it's just one of those things where it's easy. And I used to be like, yeah. And yes, every once in a blue moon, I will change my mind on a song and go back and load the previous deck that was, you know, playing prior to what's currently playing. Um, and then reload an additional track once I go backwards. But it's very rare that I do that because I generally am able to have like kind of an idea of a flow in mind. Um, the only time that I can see that really working is, is at our Hot Monk Twin Oaks nights because we don't use the projector. So we don't tell people what's coming up next in a written kind of way. We announce it on the mic. Sometimes I'll announce one dance. Sometimes I'll announce two. Very, very seldomly it's three. And when I dance three, it's because I'm trying to let someone know who's leaving soon that their last request is about to be played so that they can be prepared for it. Um, that's generally when I start to like be like, okay, well, the next three are... Um, and that's just to give the fair warning. Or, like, if I plan on playing something for someone and I know they're, like, about to go order another drink from the bar kind of situation. Um, so it's a little bit different at an event, obviously. Cross-pollination, I think, is something that should be encouraged also for making... Um, making these things memorable for people, make, making each event memorable so that they're not also cookie cutter samey. And what I mean by that is that if you see some cool dance that's taught at an event, like you may not go into the event with the expectation that you're gonna learn anything or bring anything home, but if you do bring something home and you tell people about it and say, oh I, yeah, I first saw this dance when I was in Florida, it's uh, really popular over there. Not only does it encourage people to maybe go to Florida and say, oh, I want to learn what the next cool dance is going to be. I should go to that event myself. Um, they can also tell their friends, oh, yeah, I, I learned this in my class this week. It's all the rage in Florida. Like, right. it feels a little more exotic if it came from afar. You know, some mm -hmm. other group of people is dancing, the, uh, dancing this dance, and you, know, you want to kind of virtually dance it with them. Also... Uh, if you have some favorite dance from home and six of your dancers have come with you from the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, all the way over to Florida, and you're the DJ or you know, maybe you just want to talk to the DJ and request it, don't be afraid to take some local thing that only a few of you know and expose more people to it. Right. Because that, that again, sets that dance, apart, that dance event apart from others. And that's the one way. Hey, remember when all those Norwegian dancers came over and they danced right. whatever dance that they all like back home, the folksy thing? Like, that is different from an event where, oh, yeah, it's Lonely Drum. Again, it's Pontoon. Again, everyone dances these everywhere all the time. There needs to be something different Special. that happens. Yeah. And it's like when you go to another country and all you eat is McDonald's, did you even really go to that country and eat their food? Like, do you know what they eat there? Right. Try to 
to reach out to the locals and give them, if you're a DJ, give them a platform to show everybody what they're doing. That way you really were at that time and place and it couldn't have just been anywhere. Right. Uh, also, before, you know, as, as I see, we are rapidly approaching uh, our destination. Uh, another thought that came to mind was study your tape. And by that, I mean, go on YouTube, look at what has been, if you're a DJ, uh, what has been done in open dance wherever, years past, and see who was playing, see who was having a good time. Because if you see some of these events where like six people are doing swinging R's and they're all bouncing off each other, and you say, oh, hey, those people are going to be on staff at the next event, and I'm the DJ. Might be a good idea to play swinging R's, right. or whatever the dance might be. Uh, because I think... Some, sometimes, I mean, if you want to look at more categories, uh, you can break down a lot of what happens in open dance to uh, peak moments, callbacks, and eventually, beyond callbacks, nostalgia. Yeah. And we dance some dances with kind of a wistful sense of how it used to be when we were young at the country bars <laughs> 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever you want to count. Um, and when it's not quite that intense but it's just like oh remember when they did Wom Bomb Bomb at Marathon and now it's next month and right. we're, we're here in Florida this is kind of a callback to uh, to the last event where we did this right uh, it's just a nice familiar thing and with peak moments you know that's when you you saw this dance somewhere you were inspired to learn it and now you're finally going to be at that event with the choreographer and you're going to have the big splashy moment. You've been practicing it all summer and then boom, you finally get to do it. And anytime you ever dance it afterward will be like in your head, kind of sort of compared to that peak moment you had. So yeah, peak moments and then callbacks to maybe that peak moment and then someday nostalgia. Use those as a DJ. Know whose peak moments have happened or are going to happen, uh, especially if you're the DJ that night. Uh, know if you're calling back to something that you saw on YouTube or saw in person and know what people are nostalgic for because it's going to be different for different people. N maybe a dance is old, but they're not nostalgic for like Tush Push or something. They might feel nostalgic about something that was like, I don't know, the first dance they ever taught uh, on national television. If it's like Dance Ranch Romp or some big thing for Joe, like you know what she values and treasures. Um, keep those little nuggets of, of knowledge in your back pocket as a DJ, because those can all be whipped out for big moments. Also, study your tape is just something that, uh, you know, crossing over even more into pro wrestling, something that they're encouraged to do because there's so much good stuff that can just be forgotten if people don't go back and learn from it and see how it can be applied to the present day. Thoughts before uh, yes. we park in the next Yeah, week. and I was actually thinking about some of the different approaches that I take when I am DJing to for, for a um, lobby mm. versus a main room mm -hmm. versus an all-request room versus a um, you know, hot monk night versus a big event to a one-room event like is to know what night you're on what you can get away with and also like in the one room uh, 
events where it's all in the same room, everything happens in the same room, and in the specific case that I'm referring to, it is all levels, like, find those floor splits. Like, people have done the research. People have spreadsheets and playlists for their weekend socials where they have actually already figured out what songs fit for what dances and floor split the heck out of it. Why not? Like, if you're in a main room and the room right next door is your all request room of, you know, the beginner, improver, I mean, yeah, maybe you're not going to floor split things quite so much, but... If you are in, you know, a position, for instance, like you were kind of referencing earlier of you have partner dances, partner dancers, and you have, you know, all levels in your room, it can't hurt to like know which ones can go to what tempo and what, um, and have those, you know, on a list somewhere. And so that, like, you can pull from having a reference list is something I do just so that it's a quick on my feet. Oh, you know what would be kind of fun right now if I did this one thing. And this one thing, I remember I've done it this date or this event. What was it? Or even the, what did I play here last year? What did people like? What can I call back to because I was specifically the DJ at this event and half of these attendees are the same people. What, what can I kind of throw back and see what they remember um, as well? So it's some of the things I like to do. I'm also a pretty big fan of trying to drop the dance title in some kind of phrase, as I call it. Um, for the next dance. You know, like, time to get a little ugly on the dance floor. Or who's ready to get wild or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it kind of a natural, organic transition. And also then each introduction doesn't sound so samey. Yeah. So. Well, I am very glad that we had this chat about mostly DJ things. Maybe that can go into the title of the episode right. somehow. DJ things. Yeah. thank you all for listening to us in this uh, long drive home we've arrived at our destination now we have a a long walk from this parking spot to where we're going I really hope I sounded awake enough and coherent enough so if not I love you guys for listening anyways yeah (laughs) All right. well maybe we'll get more episodes out to you in the near future until next time this has been the Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez until next time we will See See you you on on the the dance dance floor. floor.